It's part of American politics. We love our polls. From local races to the national stage of the 2024 presidential election, Matt Towery and Robert Cahaley are churning the data so you can stay informed. This is Polling Plus. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Towery with the Bowtied One himself, pollster Robert Cahaley, and this is another episode of Polling Plus. Uh, how you doing, Robert? I'm doing all right. It's been uh, uh, quite a tough weekend, whether it's NFL or losing uh, th- three brave souls uh, through bad foreign policy. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's been a, it was a tough weekend. Um, but that having been said, uh, we'll t- get on that some more in a bit. I, I, we have some new polls out that I, I just wanted to run by everybody that, because we are polling plus. We do a lot more of the plus than the polling, quite frankly because it's much more interesting what uh, the plus side of everything is. But uh, brand new poll out by Emerson. They've got the general election, Trump 46, Biden 45. Then when you throw in these uh, various three-party candidates, third-party candidates, it's Trump 41, Biden 39, Kennedy 5, Stein 1, West 1. Um, Now, uh, we'll get to all of this later. And talk about the polling, but let me start out with probably the topic that has us most irritated. That is the death of three um, young military personnel, um, uh, all from Georgia, my native state, um, who passed away this weekend from another attack from another group uh, associated with, um, you know, the Iranians and. I think one of the questions that I have is we're now three, two or three days post that attack. And we saw the U.S. government in the form of various individuals speaking, including the Department of Defense, said we don't want a war with Iran. And then Iran issues a statement. Or they say we don't want to escalate things. Well, no, I said, well, in essence, we don't want to we don't want to go to war with Iran. And then what they what what Iran comes back and says is the United States should use diplomatic means, every diplomatic means necessary to resolve this issue. So let me get this straight. They can at least purportedly be behind a drone that attacks our military uh, personnel at night while they're sleeping. But we're supposed to go through diplomacy to deal with this. And by the way, we're now. We're several days into this situation, and I haven't seen anything of any great resolution or any action taken of any great resolution. What does that say about us and what's going on in, in this country and, and how this administration is, is dealing with things? Yeah, I find it interesting because what we've seen uh, with other leaders in the past is to say things like, we're not taking anything off the table. Uh, versus like when you start with we don't want a war with Iran, then Iran gets to decide what triggers them into a war right. and they they get to set the terms. I mean, that that's no way to negotiate. I mean, if they want to play this game of doing something and then saying we, we're not behind it, then, you know, maybe one of their super tankers sinks and we have no idea who's behind it. Well, I guess the other question I have and we haven't polled it. I certainly haven't polled it. I'm not sure the American people. In, in large numbers, understand really what's going on. 
I'm not, you know, I know they certainly are aware of what happened in the attack uh, back in October um, on innocent citizens in Israel. But I don't think they know um, really the role that Iraq, Iraq, uh, Iran, rather, I always say Iraq, I guess I wrote about it so many years when I was covering that thing. I just, my tone goes to the queue. That Iran, the, 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 the fact that they're so seriously behind so much of this, uh, these splinter groups that are out there attacking us. And I don't think the public is worked up about it in a sense, because I don't think they're getting the information presented in all the little areas that they get their news, most of which are pretty censored or pretty much slanted. And I'm wondering, is this really a big deal for Joe Biden? Or maybe they've got polling that shows nobody cares. So they're not going to do anything. Because you know that place operates based on polling to the extent that they 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 think it's it's helpful. Now, whenever they want to do some left wing crazy zany thing, they'll just do it anyway because they figure what the heck. But on something like this, I have to wonder what do you think they're seeing as numbers right now? Well, you know, it feels like they're not really reacting so much to actual polling of this incident, but mm-hmm. the, but the general lack of understanding is like. They have figured out that people haven't connected the dots to understand Iran's behind it, and they have every reason not to connect the dots for them. Right. Because when they start connecting the dots for them, then all of a sudden, them trying to negotiate a new nuclear deal, uh, them allowing the the money to go through, uh, I think, Qatar to them, and more importantly, Biden's energy policy made oil so expensive that Iran's rich. And lastly, we have not, under the Biden administration, been enforcing the sanctions that truly made Iran poor. Right. So it doesn't matter what we say, if they're still able to sell oil uh, on the open market to places like China, then they have no reason to listen to us at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's it's a frustrating thing. I, I don't, again, I get to the thing I talk about over and over and over again. And I want to get to the border in a second as well. The, the, the fact that if you created an ad right now that showed what the Biden administration did in with regard to money going to Iran, uh, with regard to taking um, one of the terrorist groups off the list, the very ones who are now attacking our, our, our soldiers, it, there's so many things that are you, you could you could hit them four times and say the, the this attack and the, these other attacks are all result with Biden's policy. Right. Uh, you know, you know, call him, ask him to change the policy. Right. And and it, save it, American soldiers. Well, I mean, Robert, I saw a clip last night where I don't know if it was last week or what. They asked, what are you going to do about Iraq? He says, I've talked to Iraq. They've been warned. They know. And then this happens this weekend. So what a great way to end a commercial and say, well, maybe they don't know, Mr. President. You need to, to wake maybe up. That, maybe they're confused by what you meant by don't. I mean, you said it many times. So well, what did you really mean by don't? You know, don't hit us too hard. Right. Uh, don't kill it. Don't kill any more than three soldiers. What do you they, they must have been confused? Well, I, so, so we'll get off of this subject because we are, this is a, a surely going to develop over the next week. But I'm just from a polling standpoint, public opinion standpoint, these are one of these things where the average bear doesn't f- 
follow this enough to know the players or what's going on. And um, it takes a while for people to get really engrossed into an issue. Now, let's talk about one where we think well, people. Well, there's one more thing there, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing that puts an issue on the forefront more than Americans dying. Well, that's so, absolutely true. And, you know, I think short of the Americans dying in Afghanistan, 90% of the bad things said about Afghanistan wouldn't be being said. That's what drew America's attention to it. Right. So I don't think he understands that, that you know, he might can blame uh, Afghanistan on Trump saying he was there before. But this is all his policy. These three soldiers died on his watch and because of his actions. Yep. And I think it, I think if we give it about a week for it to disseminate, I think the public will start to be engaged on this. Well, let's talk about another issue. So we, I think because there's so much polling on this that it only took by the way three years that most Americans are now aware that we have a crisis at the border. <laughs> but what they're not aware of is that the, the administration appears to be fighting tooth and nail to eliminate any obstacles that can be created to keep people from, from coming across the border. And then president Biden talks all the time about if they give me the money, and if I had the authority, I'd shut the border down tomorrow. Now, we all know there's an authority to shut the border down. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, George W. Bush shut the border down after 9-11. No one came into the U.S. Nobody left the U.S. We were all here, as I recall. Someone will have to correct me if I'm incorrect, but I believe I'm correct. All airlines, all, all airliners... Yeah. There was, there was no entry. You people got no stuck entry. in Europe and everything. Right. You couldn't get you couldn't get in. So the president does have the authority. Um, and I don't know if that's an extended authority or not, but he certainly does have the authority and everyone knows it. And he also has the authority to tell and take these these um, border agents and, and take them off of processing and have them instead work on keeping people out and returning them to Mexico. He, that, the, the, the Remain in Mexico policy was, I believe, a policy that was created by uh, President Trump. There was no involvement in Congress. He could go back to that. I mean, Speaker Johnson spent a whole, sent a whole list of those things that could be done now. Now, here's what I want to ask about this political situation, because you and I both know political situations come and they go. So let's, let's play with this for a minute. Let's say that Biden wakes up one day and finally says, OK, we have got enough people in this country for whatever reason, why they let millions and millions and millions in, many of whom are military aged uh, young men from some pretty scary places where they don't know where they are. Or maybe they do. But suppose he says, OK, well, I've had enough. We're, we're going to close the border. Uh, that's the end of it. And the flow just cuts off now. There's no more issue for the Republicans, right? It's done. And he said, I secured the border after he let seven or eight million people in. So I'm wondering, again, and I'll play the other side on when we start talking about Trump, but I'm wondering why there aren't ads up right now showing those federal agents coming in, the Supreme Court rules that, that the razor wire has to come down in Texas. Texas was trying to protect themselves. Supreme Court says, on a 5-4 decision, can't do it. They, within the next day, they show, they show federal um, 
I don't know who from what what department, but they're out there cutting the razor wire and taking it apart. Now, if you have an incentive to want to save the border, why in the holy hell a are you fighting about this in the first place? Now, let me tell you what their laughable answer was. They didn't want the razor wire there because it was interfering with the customs uh, patrol agents doing their job. Well, we wouldn't have to do their freaking job if you had the razor wire, right? So why is it that someone can't get an ad up now saying this is what's going on, this is what the court did, and here's how devoted this administration is to defending the border. They're out trying to eliminate the razor wire the next day. Well, and, and the thing is the ad could start with what he did on election, I mean, on inauguration day, have some drone footage of all the equipment and all the pieces of the, of the fence and the wall laying there and how they didn't put up any of it. Right. And, and now they're doing this. And, you know, the other thing I saw, and I saw a pretty interesting tweet on this, it's like with, with everything going on in Ukraine and their border got invaded, uh, there was this big movement and you were Ukrainian flags everywhere. Where, where are the conservatives not wearing Texas flags? I mean, where's the other side showing solidarity? I mean, this is something that's really important. And it, I, I would, you know, seem interesting if there was an equivalent conservative movement uh, like there was with Ukraine in Texas uh, to what Texas is doing. We've got governors that are sending National Guard troops. I mean, this is a real thing. And we ought to, everybody ought to show their support if, if they think this issue is important. Well, and... and- so it gets us back to the poll we started with, the Emerson poll. <laughs> Trump by one point. Okay, now they could come back and say, oh, Haley would be seven. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Trump right now because most re- realistic situation. So up by one freaking point with, you know, Iran, in essence, attacking uh, U.S. forces through some third party proxy, but it's really them, with uh, the situation you have with the Ukraine, with the situation you've had with the economy, and the border crisis, and the situation that it has created in cities all over this country, and certainly in Texas. And he's leading by one point? That's going to melt like a snow cone in July? It doesn't matter if they really do turn Joe Biden into weekend at Bernie's and just ride him around and have him just wave his hands because it worked last time. I, I am shocked. I say this over and over again, that these damn conservative groups don't have the brains to put together these sort of commercials and get them on the Internet, on social media, on, on local affiliates where people, regular people watch TV. In these, and it's just the battleground states. Who cares about the other states? But to, to be going into God blessed spring is just idiotic. And so the Democrats will win the presidency. That is my prediction. At, at this point, knowing what kind of operation they have and knowing what kind of operation the Republicans are going to do, I really believe that if this election is close, I mean, even if that poll were to say Trump is up by three, yeah. I don't believe the Republicans can win right now until they make wholesale change into the way they do things. And it is essential that this be recognized because, you know, people say, well, you know, they've out harvest, 
you know, Republicans need to ballot harvest. Well, Republicans are not willing to do what the Democrats do. So that, that's nonsense. Uh, ballot harvesting for Republicans means making sure, you know, the people at, at the country club don't forget about a, voting on election day and do a mail-in ballot. That's not what it means uh, to, to the rest to the rest to the Democrat Party. It means intimidating people. It means giving absentee ballots to older people with the power of attorney who don't even know they're voting. It means stuff that Republicans are not willing to duplicate. So they've got to come up with a better plan. And part of that is winning these hearts and minds and not letting these things go unanswered and calling them out, which they are not doing. I mean, it would be nice to take some of these millions of dollars that are descending on South Carolina right now. Which aren't crap. Beating the tar out of Trump, like it's going to even matter. I mean, you know, just to have a little bit of that, those same guys focus that energy on telling the public what's going on, whether it's overseas or whether it's in America. But we've got this, the Republican side of the message has got to get out. And it can no longer just be something that we all chit chat about it. Because totally agree. You, and I, you and I both know elections are not decided by people like us who talk about politics every day. Elections are decided by people who rarely talk about politics and the few simple messages that get to them. And right now, our messages are not getting to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we know how that goes. And, you know, it's it's going to be a bloodbath for the Republicans uh, if they think that these events right now are going to be still major issues in the fall. I'm already reading. Robert, we talked about this two months ago. The media would start spinning that the economy is really, really good. Now, we said when you got nothing in your pockets, you don't really listen to the media. But the, the, the media is certainly doing their part. I read story after story about, wow, we not only did we not have a soft landing, there may be no landing at all. And, oh, my goodness, GDP was at three point whatever percent. And it's just unbelievable. Uh, of course, we all know credit card debt's the highest it's ever been, personal debt. We know our own government debt is just astoundingly out of control. And but, car repossessions are at the top, and defaults on credit cards are at the top. And so, you know, there there are some messages we don't have to say. We don't have to tell people your personal financial situation sucks. They know that. So that's not the message we need to sell. Um, we need to tell tell them why. It, it, it stinks and, and and why people are coming across the border and the fact that everything wrong in this country that we're worried about is a direct result of a stupid energy policy. You know, if, if Iran and Russia were poor because there, this energy policy of Biden was uh, pro all of the above, then there's no Ukraine, there's no Middle East, that nobody has the money to to fight these wars. That's right. Poor countries don't start wars. Yep, you're absolutely right. Well, you know, uh, to wrap this this segment up, uh, all I can say is we've been talking about this for month after month after month, and the time is running out. The time is running out. And um, if I were the Democrats, uh, which they're doing, they, you know, they're going after Trump left and right every way they can. The man, he got, what, $83 million plus verdict against him 
for E. Jean Carroll. Uh, and, you know, for a jury to award that kind of money on a defamation suit for someone who, who and I don't know why and they argued it or not, but E. e. Jean Carroll had been involved in the first suit and she's made plenty of statements and, and the like. I, I would have thought that what he said about her post that suit, she's now a temporary public figure, which I, I don't believe you can be, you can defame a public figure, according to New York Times v. Sullivan. And there is such a thing as being, a, 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 in essence, a public figure for a certain issue. Well, that case is a certain issue. But not, there were no defenses raised because apparently the judge wouldn't allow any. Now we find out the judge may have been the mentor or one of the, of the, uh, lawyers on the other side and presided over a wedding for another. And I mean, it's just, it's the same story like in, in Fulton County with, with uh, Fonnie Willis. So, you know, I, I think that we, it's pretty clear what the Dems are trying to do. They want to take his money away and then they want to put him in jail. It's not very clear to me at all what the Republicans want to do uh, with regard to Biden. Uh, shifting just very quickly, let's talk about specifically South Carolina, your home state, the place you know better than anyone. You've not polled it yet in South Carolina, the Nikki Haley Trump race, have you? We started, but we haven't we haven't put out a new one yet. We've polled uh, it in the past. With, and with, our poll is one of the more recent polls that's on, on real clear politics. Without giving away any new stuff, I mean, what does your gut tell you right now in terms of where that race might be? Well, I, I believe we had at a, a Trump with a 28-point lead the last time we, we polled it. And I want to say Emerson had Trump at a maybe a twenty uh, or thirty point lead. But that was with uh, the candidates in, right? Yeah, and that was with multiple candidates in. And so, right. you know, two of the candidates who got out who were getting r- real votes in South Carolina, uh, Ramaswamy and um, and DeSantis, they had real votes on the uh, in the last. Polls. Uh, Sanders had virtually nothing, and Asa already out. And, and that last time you polled was was Scott out. I, you know, I think he was actually. Yeah. Right. So, so the thing is, is but even Scott. So all the ones who had votes went to Trump, and the ones who were barely showing up went to Haley. Right. Uh, and Haley has been much stronger defined in the negative in the last month that I've ever seen her define in my life. Are there any negative ads running against her in South Carolina right now? There may be, but I mean, I'm a pretty pervasive watcher of TV, right? uh, uh, especially the kind of programs where ads show up and Mm -hmm. I have not seen a bunch. Now I have seen tons of ads and received, I believe last count was seven mail pieces since New Hampshire, right? Since New Hampshire. Right. Attacking Trump uh, from Americans for Prosperity Action. So I know there's plenty of work against uh, Trump going on, but no, not I have not seen any any pro Trump ads. But again, you know, like I said, if it's if it's a small buy compared to the other side, that makes sense. Can you think of any, any scenario where Haley could upset Trump or make it at least close enough for her to hold her head high up and keep going through the Super Tuesday contest? Well, well here's the thing. So the question is, what is enough to hold up her head? Mm-hmm. And I believe she answered that for us on um, Meet the Press this week. 
And she defined success in South Carolina as doing better than New Hampshire. So if success bar is 43% plus, right. I think that's very hard for her to do. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I'll know, I'll know, I'll know more next week. I can tell yeah. you that. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, sort of like she had the governor and the whole political system helping her up in New Hampshire, which I always say is an aberration anyway. And I looked at the final numbers. He was closer to 56. Trump was almost at 56. So he, he had a little bigger win than even we all thought um, uh, that night. So and we all talked about why that happened, because they put all the good stuff out for her first so she can declare victory and run home. But um, it, I'm just wondering if the billionaires who are giving her this money on Wall Street, you know, do, what what is their incentive for doing this? I mean, the, no, the woman's not going to win. Do they or, or do, are they? And this may get to the issue of, of of people with big big money. I know some who are very shrewd political experts. I talked to one or two who. I have immense respect for they see. Yeah, I won't say who they are. Never will. But I see so many of these guys out there and they just sound like idiots. And, I, you know, and it's almost sort of like, you know, don't don't get in my field. Don't don't try to do what I do because I can do it. And you can't. When it comes to politics, you know, we may not always be perfect, Robert. We know the political business and they know the business that made them very, very wealthy. Is it? Could it be just the fact that they don't know what the hell they're doing? I I think it's worse than that. I, I think what you have is you know for every billionaire out there, uh, especially the ones who write massive checks, there there is a leech, someone in their orbit who is convincing them to spend money in the way that they want in politics. Right. And they're getting a big piece of it. That's right. And so, and so, these people are being told, "Oh, yeah, you can do this." You, That's you our opinion, and we're not naming any names. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I did not put a name on the leech. Right. Uh, and, but you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know who you are. Driving those fancy cars, ain't never made a nick one wrong. But the thing is, what happens is they're 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 convinced that they need to do this. And what they're selling them on is the, the long, most of these big donors are giving Nikki the big money now. Most of them actually don't care whether she wins. They just want to uh, hijack Trump. Right. So, be, so continuing, I mean, they've got one vehicle left to beat up Trump every day and it's Nikki Haley. Right. So they're going to support her with everything they can. They're going to keep all this talk and all these polls about if he's convicted that he could never win so that she can dangle out there because mm-hmm. what she want me, you know, at this point, she's, she's kind of all the, all the candidates with political savvy have already gotten out of this race. Right. And she, she's pretty much the Rick Santorum of this race. Right. She hadn't figured out that she, she ain't going to win and shouldn't be there anymore. Right. But, but she's going to do, she's going to drag it out. And with the hopes of when it's all said and done, somebody goes, well, you know, she came in second and, mm-hmm. and, and, and that she thinks somehow or people around her think will elevate her. And, and the fact is she'll have a few delegates. Now, does she ever have enough delegates to win the convention? I don't think so. Does she alienate the America first crowd to the point where they'll never support her? 
Yes. Probably. Yes. So she's got to bank on and hope for and work for America first to lose. Which is awfully hard. Awfully hard in this party. Well, we're going to be watching uh, South Carolina. We're going to have some Great guests on over the next month who know the state almost as well as Robert does. Uh, Robert needs to have someone other than me to talk about South Carolina. Although I have polled South Carolina, let's be honest. I've, I've polled it probably since 2000. I've been there a bunch of times. Um, it is, uh, it's unique also, though, because, you know, you've got basically those sectors of the state that are very different. You know, that, that, that the Charleston area really doesn't have a whole lot in common with Greenville, Spartan, Spartanburg, and you, you know, it's sort of like Florida. Down here, we've got so many uh, media markets, and none of them have anything to do with the other media markets. So you come down to, to Florida, and it's like you're in a different country every place you go to. But it, it's sort of fun. And it, and it also teaches everybody from knowing what's really going on in the state because they only care about their little area. Yeah, and the, and the one thing about South Carolina, and you're going to see this, and this is, this is throughout presidential primary history. The upstate, which is, you know, your Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, okay, this right. area is so big and it, it alone represents more than half of the primary vote. Right. And so this is the reason uh, Fred Thompson camp, uh, camped out and didn't campaign anywhere else. A, a, a snowstorm in the upstate and only the upstate is the reason Mike Huckabee didn't beat John McCain. I mean, mm-hmm. the upstate is the most critical part. So I would expect to see Haley continue to be in the upstate. She's been here a few times, continue to do things. And I expect to see Trump here. I mean, this is the bottom battleground when it's all said and done, the place where you run up the score. Mm-hmm. Now, do they have early voting for this uh, at all in South Carolina? Yeah, it's, 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 it's early voting, but when you vote early, you know, you have to come out, you have to show ID, and oh. sometimes sometimes the line is worse for early voting than regular voting. I've, I've stood in the longest lines ever to vote early in South right. Carolina than right. ever stood at a poll. Right, I got you. So how, how many people would, would, do you think would early vote in a primary like this? Percent? Uh, it, the, the way the percent tends to be going up, I mean, so we had a, we had a record of 755,000 in the, uh, the Trump primary of 16 mm-hmm. and the way the percentages are going, I'd say it, it could be 200, 250,000. So wouldn't the Trump group be smart to be really pushing the early vote just in case some disastrous thing comes down right before the primary? I mean, I don't know what disaster it could be because he survives absolutely everything in the polls, but wouldn't you be banking those if you could? Well, you know, I can see that, but I also don't really think that, uh, lack of motivation is the problem mm-hmm. of of Trump in primaries. Right. Uh, I, I think that this turning the voters out is rep- what Republicans need to do to to the elapsed or low principality Republican voters. But and when you get to primary season, especially in South Carolina, which is you know very politically tuned in, pretty much people are going to vote. Uh, there's a lot. I would probably say putting on a, an, an extra rally or two would be worth all the resources they would spend on early right. voting in this particular state. Okay. The other question I want to ask you is this. We talked about this last week. I don't know we have clarity on it yet. Now, we know I think this coming Saturday, I think it's this coming Saturday, there's a vote uh, in the Democratic primary because they're on de- different days. Is that right? Is it this coming Saturday or the next? 
I think it's the next Saturday. Okay. Well, regardless, you said that, you know, if you vote in one, you're not supposed to vote in another. But my question to you is, you said that they don't always enforce that because they haven't had to. It, any any feel for what degree the Democrats Democrats might want to play in this in this primary in South Carolina? Not yet, uh, and I think the reason for that is before their primary, mm-hmm. they don't want to talk about that because mm-hmm. the last thing they want to do, if that's their plan, is right. to turn anybody off of voting in their primary. So I think right. we'll hear more about that afterwards. Uh, but when when that has been done. And I might know about that having been done in the past. Right. It, it's usually done uh, through ground organization, person to person. It is not done through signs and ads. Right. And how? When? What's the most successful crossover you could you could ever recall? I probably shouldn't talk about that. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I take it the crossover went the other way on that one. I'm not going to ask you any more about it, but I will ask when we get off air because I want to know what percent crossover to be afraid of when I do my next poll. Uh, Robert, we'll, we'll end by a um, couple of things. Uh, we did talk about football, uh, which we're not going to have that to talk about much longer. By the way, I think of the three of us, uh, we had John McLaughlin on. I forced him to predict games, too. I don't remember John's predictions, but I think my predictions for, for this last week were pretty much spot on. Right. Didn't I say San Francisco and KC? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing you see. My, my team didn't make it this week uh, that I predicted. That's right. And and I tell you, it was it was hard Hard to watch Detroit lose. They were just they they worked so hard. Oh, I know. Yeah. And it 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 kind of felt like the the you know the Falcons when they got up in the Super Bowl and then found a way to lose in the second half. It, it kind of felt like that watching San Francisco come but, back. But, on. Wait, speaking of the Falcons, because I, I was a long suffering fan in Atlanta. I mean, from the day they started playing, I was six years old when they started in '66. I went to the games with my dad. And boy, you want to talk about a group that will break your heart. It's that bunch. And here's Arthur Blank, who has a chance to get Bill Belichick, other big names. Of course, Belichick wanted total and complete control of player personnel. So instead, they go and get a defensive coordinator from the L.A. Rams who's already coached in the NFL once before and was a disaster. And it's just why in the world? I give the Bucks here in, in Tampa a lot of credit. I think I've said this before. They go out and get marquee players, even if they're there at the end of their career, to give their team a chance in the now, rather than constantly. I hate it when teams say, we're going to have a little rebuilding process here for the next five years, while we charge you an exorbitant amount for your seat and for your food and your parking is inconvenient, but we're just going to rebuild again. Uh, the Bucs don't do that. The Bucs actually went out. They got a good quarterback when they lost Brady. Uh, they, they brought Tom Brady and Gronk in here. That was Nobody thought that was ever going to happen, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So, I, And, this, of course, I, I like the Bucs because I live here, but I also like the, the way they are willing to spend money in the right direction. Falcons didn't do it. Sorry, Falcons. I hate to get on your ass about that. But we were t- you, know, you know what I think the difference is? What's that? The Bucs believe in building back better. And quicker. <laughs> we, got a, we got a Super Bowl coming up, but we'll make our predictions today because it, it's 
it'd be sort of like making a prediction in a foot. I mean, in football, in a political race, uh, we don't know what all is going to happen and there could be injuries or whatever. So we'll do that next week. Um, but I just want to close with this, Robert. I, maybe this is, you know, I, I talk about this so often that I think uh, various talk shows I'm on, I'm on, they go, oh, he's just a one, you know, one uh, story guy. We did, we, you know, it's just too much of the same thing. But if this is our podcast and we could talk about it. That's right. I want everyone, the, whoever it is who listens to us, to listen to us closely. If you're a Republican, if you're a conservative, you're going to lose. And you're going to lose because nothing's being done to prep for the operation. The operation comes in the late summer and the fall. But everyone has to prep for an operation. There's no prep. None. Nothing's being explained to the public. There is no coherent plan to communicate with the public. And there is no coherent plan that anyone's aware of with any real meat to it to get the public out who you convince to vote and to vote in massive numbers. And, and, to, and to put a message out there, a, a message that can be disseminated and explained. I mean, you know, the, the, this political roller coaster goes up, you know, up and down. And, and eventually people don't understand you can control what the roller coaster does. You don't have to be miserable. Uh, and, and, and this is not about enjoying the ride. The, the, this, is, this is about making it work. And you can control this, but the way you control it is you don't let these things be undefined. I mean, just about, there were pieces of a wall that sat on the ground and were sold off as scrap. And now people are coming across the border in that very place. So, you know, there is a cause and effect and they're not going to just figure it out. They're not going to figure out that the, the spending and the oil prices and the green energy policy is the reason that, you know, their corn costs too much or they can't afford gas or they or, or, or you know. Yeah, somebody has got to show it and create that causal relationship and explain and then, people in, in terms that they can understand. Cause and effect is not obvious. You have to paint a picture. So let me give you a, a, a quick example. So this last week, a group of former FBI agents came out as a group to warn, warn Congress that we have so many military-aged men crossing the border from dangerous countries, countries that we would not let them in if they were coming across the border, let's say, off of an airplane in uh, New York. So they say this is going to be a catastrophic event at some time because there are so many we now have an army of enemies within the country. Now, compare that to that stupid letter that was sent out when the Hunter Biden thing broke by people in the intelligence community. This has Russia and handprints all over it. That got huge news, right? Huge news. But ex-FBI agents pointing out the obvious, and eh, got, you know, a little bit of news, but nothing. If these dumb Republican organizations and conservative groups don't get their act together right now and start doing these sort of commercials and quit wasting their time time trying to stop a candidate who they obviously can't stop, 
It's going to be the end of the Republican Party because you give those Democrats four more years, they will figure out how to completely take those votes they brought in and make them voters, and it's over. So that's how dumb and stupid the GOP in general, the so-called great leadership is. Well, and there's no, and there's no question. It It is not necessarily a, a matter of what our leaders are doing in Washington. It is what the leaders when, and in government. It, I mean, this is a party thing. This is an, a movement thing. And the, you know, the other side, they organize their money. They spend it wisely. They don't waste it. And right now, this party is a party about making a few consultants and, and operatives wealthy and not about winning. And it's got to go back to winning. And it is, you know, we can't harp on this enough, but it's just very frustrating to know what they need to do and to have these people who have the money to do it, uh, knowing that they're going to be wasted. They're going to be called the last minute to buy a bunch of ads or send a bunch of mail. Nobody's going to see. So, you know, I, I know we're, we're about to wrap up here, but I, a few other interesting things came across my mind. We both talked about Mark Penn, good pollster, this, that, and the other. But I did not know that his wife is the head of or highly involved with, I want to say, the no labels effort. Now, that's interesting. I'm not saying that that pollutes Mark's, what Mark does at all. I mean, I, I, I assume he's able to put up a Chinese firewall and whatever. But one has to think, because he's a centrist. And um, as an aside, you know that I knew Bill Clinton, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, and if that, you, you, you tell me some stories. My well, there's nothing nefarious. My favorite story was I was at the White House there to watch a movie with uh, some unnamed movie stars and yours truly and a couple of other folks, and we got late in the evening, about midnight. And well, it's actually, we came out from the movie, a very boring movie they were all in. And he says, "Well, what should we do with them?" And I said, well, "Why don't we go to the Oval Office?" Went to the Oval Office, walk in the Oval Office, we go down the hallway, the little skinny hallway back to where the, uh, uh, you know, the dining room is, uh, area. He's got a little small dining room area back there. And uh, these hallways, you know, the West Wing's very narrow. So I get into this back room, and I've got one of these super famous, I will not say who, uh, actresses. But you would know. Oh, my Lord. This story is going to be, is going to be G, are you sure? <laughs> What's that? It's G. Yeah, of All course. Right. So, I mean, you know, we had a whole group, you know, maybe 15 of us. But most of these people are out of Hollywood, and he, he's showing all this political stuff to him, and their eyes are just glazing over. They don't know what's going on. So I get to the threshold, uh, and I say, oh, excuse me, you go ahead, Miss So-and-so, the famous world actress. And she says, oh, no, sir, you go ahead of me. And Clinton whispers in my area, says, they think you're in the cabinet, roll with it. <laughs> Which was great point. Uh, so, you know, I mean, there, you can be – bipartisan in this world. At least you could back then, because as Newt even said, he, he worked for Bill Clinton on, on matters. I mean, it was a different world back then. And this was post all that stuff. And I just, you know, I gave to the library a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not like some crazy Republican MAGA cuckoo head here, but I've been dealing in politics, whether it's with when I worked in the uh, years, not, not that Matt is suggesting all MAGA folks are cuckoo heads. I don't want to know. I'm not saying MAGA folks are cuckoo heads. I'm just, I want to, I want to clarify. Of course, I'm glad you said that because no, I think MAGA folks are definitely not cuckoo heads. 
But I, we are we are certainly painted that way. People who have ever voted for, and I voted for Donald Trump, anybody who did that, then we're painted as a cuckoo MAGA type, I guess is what I'm trying to say to the, to the world out there, because I think they're wrong about that. But these days, everybody gets labeled. Back in those days, there were not as much as of that labeling. I mean, you had Newt, who certainly got things going, and every he said, they said he was polarizing. Well, hell, he, he would be non-polarizing today in today's politics. And I guess bringing it back to the no labels concept, everybody's got a label now. Uh, and I want to be, I'm very interested in two things. Are they going to run a candidate? It's going to be Manchin. I think if he gets in, he actually hurts Biden more than he hurts Trump. That's my opinion. That's just my own opinion, because I, I think the Trump people know what Joe Manchin is. and They're not going to vote for it. Um, if Bobby Kennedy gets in, I think that could possibly take some Trump votes away. And it's because you, you mean gets in as a no labels versus as an independent uh, as an independent. Now, I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, I don't know how many it's going to be, but it's it's got to take shape pretty soon. Wouldn't you say? Well, but what they've said is that that they would um, make a decision and decide what they're going to do uh, by the summer. And the other thing is, I've been tracking it, and they're on the ballot in eleven states, two of which are uh, Arizona and Nevada, creating mm-hmm. three way races in those places. And, and when you get down to it, that, that is the big difference between 2020 and 2016. Uh, in 2020, everybody who had any problem with t- Trump had one place to go. Uh, in 2016, Jill, Jill Stein's margin in the state she won that Trump won, her margin was greater. So right. Anything that takes that, you know, basically relieves that need that some people have to vote against Trump. It gives them somewhere else to go without voting for the guy they don't like. And so I think it, third party stuff is going to do better. I, I, I think as much as I like Emerson and think they do great polling, I think they've underestimated West support when he gets out there. I think he does better than 1%. Yeah. Um, and so I think you're going to see a division like we haven't seen in the past. I mean, I do believe that we'll have a bigger chunk of Americans vote for something other than two parties uh, this time than we've seen, certainly uh, going back to it, to uh, Perot. I think it, it may not get to that high watermark, but I think it's going to be significant. Well, Robert, just like in the primaries, we said the more candidates who stayed in the race, the, the longer the race had those candidates for the for Republican nomination, Trump was going to really benefit from it. I'm beginning to believe the more the merrier you pile in all these third party candidates. And then what 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 Biden's left with are really the ultimate leftists uh, who will go out and vote. And the and the and the union members who are willing to, to, to just march to do it because they're told to do it. That's about all they got. Uh, if, if, if people have other alternatives, whereas the the MAGA, I hate that word MAGA, quite frankly, I cannot stand the way they're trying to vilify it um, with their uh I'm sure it's their focus groups, but the, the Make America Great crowd, uh, they're going to vote for Trump no matter what. And I don't know if they're a higher percentage than the leftists in the unions uh, or not. But I, my gut tells me that more people who want something other than some of these suburban folks, say, I just can't vote. Well, they're not going to vote for Donald Trump anyway. I mean, if, if you've got a moderate suburban who might vote for Nikki Haley, 
they're not going to vote for Donald Trump. And, so, and, and when you poll them, you know, three-fourths of her voters say that if it was between Trump and Biden, they'd vote for Biden if Nikki wasn't on there. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's based in, in research. Which is but, why Trump needs a Joe Manchin, uh, an RFK, and a partridge in a pear tree because it helps him. My opinion. I mean, we got to pull this stuff. So, you know, but that's yeah. my guess. Yeah. Everything, every time I, I run it with multiple candidates, uh, it, it turns out well for Trump because, again, you're just yeah. giving a, a relief valve for all those others. But I'll tell you the other thing is the union leadership may be doing one thing, but I think they are, there's going to be a departure from their members because yeah. we already know union members in the last two elections. Uh, so many of these line workers and people who actually have real jobs other than union bosses uh, are moving toward uh, Republicans because they hold Republican values. Well, Robert, I'm going to end with this. I probably can't. You can hear that noise and you can't see this, but there's a little white glove going on my hand here, which means it's time to get to the golf course. And uh oh is right. I've been playing like crap. So I got to get out there. I got some family coming in this week. I'm taking them out to golf. I'm not going to be losing to them. So I got to go get ready. So on that note, you get your bow tie straight. I'll try to get my swing straight. And next week, we'll see you guys. Hopefully, we'll have a great guest. We need to, we need to get the South Carolina stuff talked about a little bit more. I'm, I've got some other very interesting folks uh, that, that I want to have on. I know you do, too, Robert. So we're going we're gonna to pep this thing up with some guest in the coming weeks. But for right now, I'm Matt Towery with Robert Cahaley, the bow tie one himself, the great pollster. And we want to thank you for joining us on Polling Plus. Please tell your friends about Polling Plus. You, you, you can't put our names in right now. It's, you, you, you can't put our names and it pop up. You, you've got to put in Polling Plus. But go to your favorite podcast resource and tell your friends just to put Polling Plus and take, take a listen to us because they'll actually know what they're talking about in politics for once instead of pretending. <laughs> From Robert, I'm Matt. Have a great week.